Congregation, the text for the sermon this morning is Luke 2, the verses 36 to 38. Now there was one, Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was of a great age and had lived with a husband seven years from her virginity. And this woman was a widow of about 84 years who did not depart from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. And coming in that instant, she gave thanks to the Lord and spoke of him to all those who looked for redemption in Jerusalem. Beloved congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ. It can be hard to wait for something that you've been promised, right? Someone promises you something. It could be hard to wait for, for that promise to be fulfilled. It seems like sometimes waiting seems like such a waste of time. You want it now. It's not always a waste of time, though, to wait, also to wait long. If you have to wait for something for a long time, then you're going to also appreciate it a lot more when you do get it, right? When it finally comes, you're more thrilled when, when what you waited for finally comes about. Think of, a, think of a child counting the days before a birthday, what happiness when that day finally arrives. The waiting intensifies the joy on the, the birthday, on the special day. Advent means waiting. Advent means looking forward to, to Christmas. Advent intensifies the joy of Christmas. The celebration of Christ's birth doesn't just come out of the blue to us. You look forward to that. You realize again how wonderful it is that God's Son came into this world, was born into this world for you, the Son of the Almighty. Well, Advent was a lifelong thing for Anna, who we read about in Luke 2. She waited her whole life long. Only near the end of her life, when she was very old, was she able to celebrate Christmas for the first time. Luke describes the occasion in our text for this morning. But at the same time, he also highlights in the text what a long, long wait that was for Anna a whole life long. And Anna herself shows us how to wait a long time like that. We see a woman waiting for the salvation of God's people for most of her life, waiting with outstretched hands. We could say waiting with empty hands. 
And that's the theme for the sermon this morning as we look ahead to Christmas. Advent means that God fills empty hands. And we pay attention to first those empty hands themselves. Secondly, dealing with empty hands. And thirdly, God's response to empty hands. First, those empty hands. Everybody in Jerusalem must have known Anna. They came into the temple regularly. They must have met her there in the court of women, the women's court. Everybody had to pass through the women's court to get into the temple. She was a fixture in the temple. And people probably told one another the story of that widow who was always there in the temple. Maybe parents told their children, see that old lady there praying, hands uplifted? That's, that's Anna. She was married when she was a young girl. And after seven years, her husband died. And she's been a widow for more than 60 years. And here she's in the temple every day, every single day, praying to God. Luke draws that profound picture of Anna's life for us in just a few words in the text. We're not told if she had any children. My guess would be that she didn't have any children, which is why she spent all her time in the temple. No children to visit, no children, no grandchildren to tell stories to, no children to take care of her, fill her days. It seems she was a woman who had experienced very little joy in her life. What she had, a husband, was taken from her. And humanly speaking, taken from her way too soon. The dreams of her younger years were not realized. Her longing remained unfulfilled. She was a woman who ended up all alone in life, vulnerable, empty-handed. Probably living in a room in the temple somewhere. How many people aren't there like her, similar. They had dreams and expectations, but those dreams and hopes were never realized. Maybe even through the death of a loved one. Or you have another big disappointment in life. How many people don't recognize something of that disappointment? My life has turned out a lot different than I, I expected it would, and I hoped it would. And that disappointment can sometimes turn into emptiness and loneliness. Emptiness in a marriage, or maybe just in your place in life. Emptiness maybe even hidden behind a mask of a busyness. We know a few more things about Anna from our text, though. She was of the tribe of Asher. Now, the tribe of Asher was one of the, the ten tribes which, were, which disappeared after they were taken into exile by the Assyrians. Apparently, Anna was then a descendant of a family which had escaped being taken into exile, one of the few. The mention of the tribe of Asher, though, reminds you of the sad lot that struck Israel in the past. Israel's history, in fact, was a lot like Anna's life, if you think about it. 
Israel was something like a widow. Israel was something like Anna. In the past, Israel had known a short time of, of flourishing, like in the days of David and Solomon. But then had come a time of decline. And Israel eventually ended up being taken into exile. Jerusalem ended up like a widow, poor, vulnerable, in mourning. We read about that in Lamentations 1. Jeremiah uses the picture of a grieving widow to describe Jerusalem. Jerusalem, after being overrun and devastated by the Babylonians, robbed of her happiness, bereft of her husband and also her children, carried away into exile. So behind Luke's description of Anna, we can see Israel, and in particular then Jerusalem as the representation of Israel. Like Anna, Jerusalem's good times were in the past. Jerusalem is like a widow standing there with empty hands in mourning. And congregation, if you see the lot of Israel reflected in Anna's circumstances, you also understand the cause for that emptiness that we mentioned. Because Israel had not been destroyed by its enemies just like that for no reason, hadn't been left a poor like a poor widow without reason. No, the sins of the people were the cause of Israel's sad devastation. They had been unable to serve the Lord their God as he required of them. The emptiness and the poverty of Jerusalem showed clearly Israel had failed. Israel had constantly become unfaithful to God. Time and again, they proved themselves not to be his faithful people. And they could only blame themselves for their situation, for what happened. History showed clearly it was their own doing. Their lack of spiritual zeal, their lack of love for the Lord their God. And that's why the people now stood there with empty hands, we could say. The people of Israel. Pictured in Anna. Oh yes, some things had changed since Jeremiah had spoken the words of Lamentations 1, verse 17. Zion spreads out her hands, but no one comforts her. Some things had changed. A remnant of Israel had returned to Jerusalem and the temple was rebuilt as well as a city. But the glory of the past never came back. And now under Roman occupation in Anna's days, Real deliverance seemed farther away than ever. Zion still stood there with outstretched hands, empty hands. She was still full of unrest. There was still a huge distance between what God had promised in the past and the reality of every day under Roman occupation. The believers in Jerusalem, like old Anna in the temple, night and day, they knew. It's our own fault. It's because we've been so stiff-necked, 
so rebellious against the Lord our God. It's our own fault that we stand here at this time with empty hands. What do you do with empty hands like that? And that's the second point of the sermon, dealing with empty hands. Congregation, Anna chose a very special way of life after the death of her husband. She spent most of her days in the temple and her nights. She prayed a lot and fasted. She never remarried. For the people of those days, it was a, a, a way of life that probably brought her a lot of respect among the people who went up to the temple to worship. Look how dedicated this widow, this old lady here, Maybe we feel some respect for Anna, too, that she did, she lived the way she did. But I can imagine you could also be a bit critical of how she lived for so long after her husband died. It must have been a big blow to her to be widowed at such a young age, maybe in her 20s yet. But she had, she had not, hadn't she become kind of stuck in the past? Living like she did? Why didn't she get over that? Surely she could have made something of her life yet, got remarried, had children, and, but here she was spending all her time praying in the temple and fasting. Kind of a waste of a life. It's true, the way Anna lived highlighted what had happened to her that she had ended up a young, bereaved widow, a woman with empty hands. Luke mentions that she prayed and also fasted. Now, fasting was a sign of sorrow, mourning, too. Fasting is not eating, but making yourself empty, become empty before God. It's complementary to prayer in time of grief. You ask God to help you, to comfort you. And that's what Anna had been doing in the temple for more than 60 years. Widow, widowed, lifting up empty hands to God. Day in, day out, she brought her powerless, her need to God in prayer and fasting, her cry for comfort, year after year, maybe, maybe for a lot more than 60 years, she waited for God to fill those empty hands. But you have to realize that for Anna, this was not just a matter of seeking comfort for her personal sorrow that, because she had been widowed. No. Luke calls her a prophetess in our text. She was known as a prophetess. And that means she consciously chose the way of life she did as a sign for all Israel at that time. She made herself a sign for God's people by her actions, a proclamation. She grieved and prayed, not just for herself, but for Israel as a whole. On behalf of Israel, she lifted up empty hands for the consolation of Israel. She prayed and fasted in all humility for the redemption of Jerusalem, as it says at the end of the text. By the way, it says in the New King James Version, that she spoke to those who looked for the redemption in Jerusalem. 
but most of the old manuscripts and tr most translations have here the redemption of Jerusalem. With her lifestyle, Anna represented all who sought after redemption of God's people, for the redemption of God's people, all who mourned because of Israel's sins and waited for salvation, for a savior to redeem from sin. No, congregation, Anna wasn't stuck in her own grief. As bereft and bereaved widow, she made herself a, a declaration to Israel, a prophetess. She represented to the people of Jerusalem how they should all be waiting for and looking for the Savior God had promised for, for his people, to redeem his people. Everybody had to lift up empty hands to God. It was at that time the time of advent, the time of waiting for God to fulfill his promise to remember his people. It wasn't known when God would send the Savior, but Anna showed everybody what they should be doing at that time of waiting for the coming of the Savior. She showed what, what, what everybody should be doing at that time of Advent as they waited for the, the coming of salvation. We can learn from that today as we celebrate, as we look forward to celebrating the birth of the Redeemer this week. Also, though, as we're waiting for his return, his second coming. We don't need to wait with all kinds of special deeds and activities. No, like Anna, we need to lift up empty hands above all. Lift up empty hands. Wait prayerfully, confessing our need, our poverty, our helplessness. Because we share in the, the sin and guilt of Israel in the past. We share that ability to, that inability to serve God as he requires of us. We too are needy in that way. And the more we see that, the more we see our need for forgiveness, for the redemption from sin, the more we'll truly be able to rejoice this Christmas too and every Christmas we have. Rejoice not in all kinds of sentimental feelings and so on, but rejoice in God's gift for people who know that they have empty hands and lift them up to him. Anna is a prophetess for us too as we wait for Christ's second coming in all the difficulties we deal with in our own lives in the times when we deal with the consequences of sin today, also our own sins and weaknesses, we can do what Anna did. Confess our poverty and need to God, lift up our hands to him, pleading for his solution to all our troubles, namely the return of our Savior to deliver us in all creation from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God, as the apostle writes in Romans 8. We come to the last point of the sermon on this last Advent Sunday, God's response to empty hands. Anna congregation waited her whole life long for the redemption of Jerusalem by God. She probably often thought she'd never see it in her lifetime. But she continued her whole life long, praying and fasting. And so right near the end of her life yet, God gives her a glimpse of his redemption. 
of the beginning of salvation for God's people, the arrival of real consolation for those who looked forward to the consolation of Israel for the coming of the Savior. She was allowed to see with her own eyes the Savior sent by God, the Christ. She saw old Simeon take that baby in his arms and bless him. She heard his words over that child, that now his eyes had seen the salvation of the Lord as the Spirit had told him he would. And then Anna knew that baby is the Savior. That baby represents salvation for sinners. And that was God's response to Anna's life of prayer and fasting in the temple. We could say he filled her empty hands. It, all, it came from him. He brought glorious salvation into this world. Anna could celebrate her first Christmas. And so we can truly celebrate Christmas this Wednesday too, even though we can't see that baby as she did. We know more than Anna did. We know that that, that baby grew up and that in Jesus Christ, God has responded to the poverty and need of people who seek him, who know their sins, who know their emptiness, and ask him to fill their need. Where people have lifted empty hands, God has shown himself the Savior. Christ is the gift of God to all who know they need salvation from their sins. He emptied himself completely on the cross to fill us with his blessing. Oh, I think Anna probably, afterwards, Anna probably went living on as she did before, maybe, in the temple in Jerusalem, praying. Her personal emptiness wasn't, wasn't taken away. She was still a widow. But a light had risen over her life and over the lives of the people she represented with her lifestyle as prophet, prophetess. The light of God who came to save people as he promised long ago. The light of God's salvation which begins to shine in the darkness and will eventually become glorious light in which there is no need for sun and moon and stars anymore but the glory of God and of the Lamb will light everything forever. So yes, not a lot changed maybe with Anna's life on the outside. But people going to the temple must have noticed a pretty substantial interchange in the old prophetess. She no longer acted like a grieving widow, I would assume. But she would be giving thanks and praise to God. She no longer lamented, but she spoke to everyone she praised God in the sight of everyone for bringing the Savior into the world. She spoke of the Savior to all those who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. Congregation, we can look forward to celebrating Christ's birth this week. Let's let that celebration fill us with thankfulness and praise. For God has filled a great emptiness God lets the light of his salvation shine for all who grieve about their sins 
and who confess their own helplessness and poverty, people who realize their need, he has filled that need. He brings them to his son, Jesus Christ. He redeems their lives from sin and guilt. He fills empty hands. And then we may wait for his promise that he's going to fill the whole world with his glory. Amen.